I don't know what Church of Christ means. And, and uh, in the original language, Church of Christ means come 10 minutes late and bring casserole. So. <laughs> it's an old joke, but it never gets old, to be honest. It is what it is. But welcome to Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to have Bible class this morning. Um, continuing a series called Kingdom and Exile, the Kingdom of Christ. And we started out with, with Daniel as they went into the Babylonian captivity. And we're going to work our way towards kingdom of Christ, give or take. There's a, there's, a, there's a gap in the Bible, in case you didn't know. So we're going we're gonna to work on all that. That's where we're going. And it goes along with what we've been in the past year with the pandemic. People have been home. They've been, you know, we had a period where we didn't meet in the building for a little while. And then we had um, services, and we've had videos, and we've tried to reach everybody everywhere, but some people didn't feel safe getting out, and some people did. So we're kind of coming out of an exile. Um, you do what you could to, to stay faithful, but... Anyways, it's a talk of God's people and what they did and what they, uh, what the plan is. So that's where we're going to go. We did Daniel the last four weeks, okay? So it's not a study on Daniel. It was, the, it was a study of the kingdom. So you start out with the Babylonian captivity, went into the Medes and the Persians. And now we're going to roll into Ezra. That's where we're going to be. Um, anybody ever study the book of Ezra? It doesn't sound like a real popular one. I don't usually hear people quote Ezra. Anybody remember it? No? I know a little bit about Ezra, so we're going to learn some more. I think we're going to do Nehemiah after Ezra. And that really finishes the Old Testament. All right, where do you find Ezra in the Bible? It's in the Old Testament. Well, where in the Old Testament? What's that? It's um. No, it's not in the prophets. Did you know? You would wouldn't have bet on that, would you? She's counting. All right, for those who want to know, those who use a paper Bible still, after first and, you know, first and Second Chronicles comes after what, First and Second Kings? First and Second Chronicles rolls into Ezra. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. So the way I teach the kids, and the, the kids always, is when we work on Bible skills, if you open the Bible to the middle, that's Psalms. So you can usually gauge stuff from there. So it's before Psalms, about four books. So it's not too far. But it's, that's where it's at. So after First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. So thought I'd throw that in there. Does anybody know what Ezra means? For those with grandkids named Ezra, what does Ezra mean? No. Um, <laughs> means help. Help. I thought it was Easy Ray. Easy Ray. <laughs> You know, I think if I had a grandkid named Ezra, I think that's exactly what I would call him. Is <laughs> Easy Ray? E man. E man. It's, it's funny what we do with kids' names. But Easy Ray. I like that. I like that. Maybe that's the Hebrew pronunciation, which I'm terrible at. It means help. That's what Ezra means. Um, in case you don't finish today's class, in case you fall asleep, get bored, fall out the window have to leave for some kind of emergency. Here's the outline. Ezra chapter 1, God uses Cyrus, the king of Persia, to send the people back to Judah. Ezra 2, roughly 50,000 people leave Babylonian captivity and return to Judah. That's it. That's today's outline, okay? So some of it's more interesting than others. Uh, so if you find something's not interesting, that's okay. I want to kind of start in Second Chronicles 36, 14. That's the end of Second Chronicles. 
All the officers of the priests and the people likewise were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations, and they polluted the house of the Lord that he had made holy in Jerusalem. So before we move forward, let's go back. This is just before Babylonian captivity. What shape are God's people in, according to this verse? Just before the captivity. It says they were exceedingly unfaithful, and they followed all the abominations of the nations. They polluted the house of the Lord. Does that sound like God's people? Sounds like God's people with quotes, right? It sounds like they came, they're not even checking the box anymore. They're not just showing up just to show up. They're just outright no different than the world. Uh, 2 Chronicles 36, 15, The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on the dwelling place. So what did God do to try to get them to change their pagan ways? He sent prophets. He sent prophets, you know. Let me send prophet after prophet after prophet to remind you this is not, not how we behave. And in verse 16, but they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets, till the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, until there was no remedy. So how did God's people respond? They should have cried out for help. Uh, it got to the point where they had to cry out for help. Um, yeah, they mocked, they mocked the messengers of God. Um, they despised his words and they scoffed at his prophets. Today being Mother's Day, uh, any mom want to tell me what happens to kids if they uh, mock you, despise your words, and scoff? They will be crying for help. Please don't spank me. Yes. It's, so you understand. I mean, and I, I try to get people to understand, as great as God is, you can also understand God a lot of times with, with relationships with parents, relationships that should be better than they are. You can look at uh, marriage and stuff like that. But this is a, a good example is, is parents. How would kids that do like this are out of control. You can either write them off or find some way to correct them. So God finally reached his seven times 70 limit, right? That's how many times we're supposed to forgive each other. We know that's not really a real number, but God reached that limit. He uh, rose against the wrath of his of Lord, rose against the people. And in verse 17, Therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or aged. He gave them all into his hand. So God's, uh, God's got no remedy left. He's got nothing that can turn the people back. So what does he do? He does like he did in the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, people fell away. He's sending the neighbors, basically. Just not see it like that, but this is God disciplines those he loves. Right. This is a form of discipline. This is some severe discipline. This is very severe, but you're right. To save a few, he'll cost a few. He'll, he'll, he'll lose a few. Um, yeah, this is very severe. Chaldeans, Babylon is Chaldeans. That's the same, same people. Um, that's also where Abraham's from. If you don't remember, don't remember, he's from Ur of the Chaldees. So that's really where Abraham's from, and that's where the whole promise God made a promise to Abraham that started this whole progression towards the kingdom of Christ. Um, this verse actually describes the second fall of Jerusalem in Babylon. 
to Babylon. Daniel, Ezekiel, and some others were taken in an earlier raid. So the time frame here doesn't cover everything, but it, anyways, you get it. Oops. Verses 18 and 19, And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. They burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its palaces with fire, destroyed all its precious vessels. You remember seeing the vessels of the, do you remember seeing the vessels of the house of God in one of the lessons we taught in here recently? It was two weeks ago. We had the, we had the big party. Uh, Belshazzar had the big party with the handwriting on the wall. And that's when they were drinking out of these, they were taking the stuff from the temple and they were drinking out of it. That was what they, that's when they were at. So anyways, that's, this is where they stole them from. This is where they came out of Jerusalem, how they got in the hands of the Babylonians. In verse 20 and 21, he took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword. They became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah till the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. So how long was the captivity to last? We know this one, but here it is. Right. Captivity is supposed to last 70 years. From when they finished taking all of Israel, or all of Judah really, into Babylonian captivity, it was going to last 70 years. I don't think I have anything on the Sabbaths, yeah. Um, what else was to be a sign of the end of captivity other than just the 70 years? There, no. Okay. Um, establishment of the kingdom of Persia is one of those things. So it was Babylon. You had Nebuchadnezzar. You had the, their kings. It became Darius the Mede. Then it became the king of per, became Persia. Medes and Persians are really one empire, but they they're together. That was one of the signs. So um, in this thing, it talks about the land it enjoyed its Sabbaths, and it was laid desolate until it kept it kept Sabbath while it lay desolate. I looked at several commentaries, and I was never satisfied with any given answer that I had on this. Most of them just kind of walked over it. Um, and what I'm going to say is basically Sabbath meaning rest. Uh, day of rest was really the, the thing. So the land of Judah it just laid empty for those 70 years. It was just empty. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine just empty land where people used to be, and you just go away, and you come back? It's just empty. So, that's my theory, anyways. Verse 22, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord, Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and he also put it in writing. So there's a 70-year gap for, between verse 21 and 22. It talks about the captivity. It's going to last 70 years. And in 21 and in 22 is Cyrus the king. This is really the end of that captivity. Commentaries indicate that Second Chronicles probably ended with verse 21, but they didn't like to end on a bad note, so they added two more verses just to give hope. Uh, that's a rule we keep with VBS. Some of the VBS lessons, they like to do like the crucifixion of Christ. They'll do the crucifixion on one night, and they'll, do, doing him, uh, they'll have him raising from the dead the next night. But if a kid doesn't come the next night, he only got a story about a guy dying. So we, like, we always put those together into one lesson, so they have the hope that goes with it. So anyways, I don't know. It's just, it's there. 
So, Second Chronicles, verse 23, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia. You'll see it. It'll roll into Ezra. Um, last week, Chuck talk, taught Daniel and the lions in uh, Daniel 6. And at the end of that, so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So Chuck led us into Cyrus. Cyrus is one of the keys to the end of the, uh, the, Babylon, the captivity. So I guess it's not really Babylonian captivity. It rolls into Mede-Persian captivity. But the end of, the, the end of that captivity, it deals with Cyrus. And Cyrus is also prophesied in Isaiah 44, verses 24 through 28. Um, 24 starts out, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and then on 28, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, he shall fulfill all my purpose, saying of Jerusalem, she shall be built, and of the temple, your foundation shall be laid. So anyways, it's prophesied by Isaiah. I bring those out because if you ever want to look at how truthful the Bible is, things have to link together. These are things that link together over hundreds of years linked together to one point. Isaiah points to Cyrus being the guy. Uh, Cyrus is named in Chronicles 70 years before, you know, 70 years and basically two, two lands different before that happens. Can you remember anything from 70 years ago? Most of us, well, have, a lot of us aren't 70 years yet, but something that maybe your grandparents prophesied something your grandparents did affects today still you know some of that there is but it's 70 years seems like a long time or a couple hundred years but this is all fills back in together I want to make sure you don't lose that uh, we had the statue in the first lesson we taught on this um, Nebuchadnezzar statue the top is the gold is the Babylonian Empire it was Nebuchadnezzar and those that fell to the, the Medes and the Persians so we're kind of in the silver empire right now. So that's where we're at. So a little backup to tell you where we're at and why we're in Ezra 1 now after we've left Daniel. So uh, there's a lot of just facts today. I would, this would probably make a terrible sermon unless you took it and you went to, you could take those facts and give hope with it. You could give some direction. Um, for a Bible study, it's probably, it's a good place to study. I wouldn't want to think it's a good sermon. I'm not a preacher, so here we are. I'm an engineer, and I work in facts. So Ezra 1.1, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put in writing. So the year is like 537, 536 B.C. That agrees with history and everything else. In agreement with the history of Second Chronicles, the narrative of Daniel and a prophecy of Isaiah, which we just looked at, God's people are under what king? That's the easy one. Who's the king over God's people right now? Cyrus, king of Persia. So that's who's the king. So, Cyrus is known to serve pagan gods. Cyrus had the largest empire that the world had ever seen. His empire stretched from southern Europe clear over to the Himalayas, over in uh, India. That's a big, uh, big empire. It covered a lot of ground. Um, why would Cyrus help God's people move back home? You've got this empire that's that big, and you're known to worship pagan gods. What's that? The Lord stirred him up. That's, that's your answer. That's a, 
That's it. It says it very plainly. The Lord stirred up his spirit. Could there be any other answer? It's really not. That has to be the answer. If you took that writing out of there, that has to be the answer. God's hand had to be in this to stir up a guy like Cyrus to go to help God's people go back to their land. Ezra chapter 1 verse 2, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So why do you think Cyrus recognized God in his proclamation? Yeah, I think he got his attention just enough, you know, and it's not, a guy like Cyrus would have probably been okay saying, I have made this decision, let it be. But no, he gives God credit. We don't know. You're right, it could have been a pretty nasty dream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Scared him to death. Uh, I'll take this all away from you. I took it away from the last guy, I'll take it away from you too. It's not a big deal. I'm the God who does that stuff. Like that, it says, he's given me all the kingdoms of earth. For him to recognize that it was by God's hand and not his own hand as a warrior, he recognizes God's power. He recognizes God as he, who he is. So how do you think the Medes, the Persians, the Babylonians would respond to hearing this? And I'll put in here from Adam Clark's commentary, Cyrus's kingdom included the Medes, the Persians, the Hyrcanians, the Armenians, the Syrians, the Assyrians, Arabians, Cappadocians, Phrygians, Lydians, Phoenicians, Babylonians, Bactrians, Indians, Saki, Sasi, Cilicians, Paphlagonians, Moriandrians, and, and everybody else too. Okay. So these are little countries, nations that were conquered and were part of the Persian Empire. So how do you think, if you're one of these What's that? I'm sure they complain because it comes. We see the same thing nowadays happening with Christianity in America. Yeah. You're right. I'm sure they complain. What about us? What about our gods? You didn't listen to our gods. You didn't honor our tradition. You're not sending us back home. We're still under this. I'm sure they just, that would have been their response. There wasn't, what well, couldn't their response have been, who is this God we need this God. That would have been it. That would have been a good response. But that probably, probably that's the response they got. And uh, another question I got on there, how do you think the people of God felt about this? What's that? Yeah, it's easy to say it until it comes down to serious times. If you've been in captivity for 70 years, had to leave your house, saw your sons killed. This was going to happen, you'd say, yeah, right. They'd been told before it went into captivity. They were told it's going to last 70 years. There had to be people who had that faith that 70 years is coming and we're going to go back home. But there are some of them that would have said, it just ain't going to happen. This is 70 years a long time. It just, it just ain't going to happen. They would have gave up on it. 
So probably a little bit of each. You have some that believe and some that are done. And I think it plays out as we get into this. In verse 3, whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. So what are the people of God told to do? Yeah. Load it up. You're going back home, and God has a plan for you. you got some, you're going to rebuild. Yeah. Well, I'm at it. Rebuilding will be next week's lesson. Chuck's away on work, so I'm teaching again next week. If today's class doesn't get through everything, we'll just pick up next week. Somebody's got something to say, we'll say it, and I'll just move it in the next week. It gets into facts, facts, and facts in a little while, and it gets, it is what it is. Yeah, God says some work for him. I underlined the word God, 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 and Lord. Uh, Cyrus acknowledges God three times in this one sentence. May God bless those who return. The temple is the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, and he is the God in Jerusalem. These are powerful statements from a guy. Like I say, he's a pagan. These are very powerful statements. So you wouldn't hear somebody, you might see somebody down here at 405 and 50, a guy with a sign. You might hear these kind of statements from him. You might hear these statements from somebody you know as a Christian. But you won't hear this from staunch believers in whatever they believe in which is a lot of times anti, you know, they put no in front of it is what they believe in. May God bless those who return. These people that are really my slaves right now, may God bless them going home. May God bless them with safety. May God bless them with prosperity. The temple they're going to build, that is the house of the God. And he is the God in Jerusalem. It's not a God, he is the God. What statement? Does it seem mandatory to go back? Or is it free will? Free will. Yeah, it's free will. Some are going to go. Some have held on to that. that we're going to go home. And they want to go home. Some of them, 70 years, they've established a life. We see later in Nehemiah, I guess in Nehemiah, they've married locals. They've, they've, set up, they've set up roots. They have homes. They have fields. They have jobs. They're not going back. They've just set up. Has anybody lived in one place for, I've lived here in Titusville for almost 50 years. Steve's lived in this town for 50 years. Just short, two weeks short of 50 years. But anybody else live here that long? Mickey and Sandy have lived here for 50 years. It's a long time. So have you lived anywhere for 50 years? 70 years? Raise your, you know, if you've raised your kids and your grandkids, I know Wanda fits into that. Mickey and Sandy fall into that. Their kids and their grandkids are in the same town that they've, they've lived in for a long time. Well, Mickey and Sandy especially, and they grew up here themselves. So their parents were here. Were your grandparents here too? No. Florida's a weird place. It's a, Florida's an outpost. Steve's family was. I got friends who claim they came over as servants for, to the Spanish. Um, we don't usually have too many people in Florida that have roots like that. I have family in Indiana who've had a family farm for over 300 years. But 
you understand roots are there when your parents, your grandparents, this is home. And that's kind of where some of these people get to be. But it's a free will. Is that different than like Exodus? I'm going to throw that one out there. When the Exodus and the last plague and the Pharaoh said, get out. Was that free will or was it kind of forced? <laughs> Did you really have a choice? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know that it was really forced, but no. You know, how fast can I get out of here? You know, the water's in front of me, but I got to get out of here. So I think this is a little different. But it goes along, like some of you said, the uh, free will is the choice here. The kingdom of God to come in is a free will choice. We don't, you can't be forced to come into the kingdom of Christ. It's a free will choice. Here it is. We've got work to do. He is the God. He is in the temple that's in the church. But it's free choice. So it's kind of a shadow of that. Where am I? There I am. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and with gold with goods, with beasts, besides free will offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. So what does Cyrus tell his kingdom to do to help God's people go back and rebuild? Give them uh, basically money to help them, silver and gold and goods. That, yeah. To Reach into your pocket. Take it with you. Yeah, they gave them silver and they gave them gold. They gave them... They can't rebuild from nothing. They didn't take anything with them. They were brought in as slaves, basically. So they had to give them back. They gave them gold, silver, animals. Have you ever seen something similar to this? Exodus, yeah, exactly. The great Exodus after the 10th plague uh, was the same thing. I got the verse here. Yeah, Exodus 10, 35-36. People of Israel had also done as Moses told them. They asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So if they let them have what they asked, thus they plundered the Egyptians. So can you see this? We're out of here. God said, Pharaoh said, give me something to go with. People are like, just take what do I got. You just, just go. You're trouble, just go. And it's the same thing kind of thing. Here in Ezra, it's the same thing. The uh, decree of Cyrus says, give them something. It's their God. You can almost see this is going to cause problems if we don't honor our God. So they gave them plunder to stop. Ezra 1 through 1 5 then rose up from the heads of the fathers, houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. Cyrus' proclamation seemed pretty broad, broad enough to cover all the people of Israel. The ten tribes that were in Assyrian captivity would have covered that too. Um, they were in that list of all those nations I showed. It was Assyria. Uh, that happened before Babylon captivity. Captivity. So, what tribes responded? Which ones stood up and said, "We'll go back"? Judah, Benjamin, and the Levites. So you got those three tribes that said, "Yeah, we'll go." Levites are a little strange, being a priest. Verse 6, and all who were there about them aided them with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, with costly wares, besides all that was freely offered. The people of Babylon responded. Cyrus the king also brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem, placed in the hands of his gods, house of his gods. Um, 
Cyrus, king of Persia, brought, out the, brought these out in the charge of Mithridath, the treasurer, who counted them out to Shezbazar. Anybody else going to be a Hebrew expert? Want to take a shot at these words? I'll just offer that. The prince of Judah, and this was the number of them, 30 basins of gold, 1,000 basins of silver, 29 censers, 30 bowls of gold, 410 bowls of silver, and 1,000 other vessels. 11, oh, sorry, it's verse 11. All the vessels of gold and of silver were 5,400. All these did Shezbazar bring up when the exiles were brought up from Babylonia to Jerusalem. That verb brought up also goes back to Exodus. Uh, that's the verb that God used when they, Exodus 33, 1, the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to land in which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring, I give it. Something that made me a believer, uh, something I really struggled with was uh, the Bible being the word of God early on. It's details like this that still bring it home to how, how interlaced things are. If you study the just as a book of literature, how this, you know, like this, he uses the word brought up, the same verb for coming out of Egyptian slavery, as he does to come out of the captivity of Babylon. Of all the words he could use, he uses the same word. So it ties that kind of thing. It really it binds it all together. Go ahead. Sorry. So this is sort of like a, a common theme through the Bible that if God wants something done, he can finance it. <laughs> yes. And, and we must still see it today. If God wants it done, he'll finance it. Um, that's, that's something I've learned as an elder uh, very, very quickly, too, is if the people, if the church wants it, they'll finance it. They will, the church will put bodies behind it. The church will make it happen. Um, just because the four of us sign off on something that says, that doesn't necessarily make it true. It has to, if God wants it done, you can't stand in the way of it. They'll empty their pockets to make it happen. A good point. It's a common thing, too, is whenever you, the oppression that we feel, the oppression from slavery, the uh, oppression from sin, the slavery of sin, how do you get brought up out of that oppression? Only through Christ. You get brought up out of that slavery of sin into the kingdom of God. Ezra chapter 2, I'm going to tell you, I said earlier, it's facts, it's numbers. I don't think I really got a whole lot of commentary on this. I don't even know if I... Remember, if I put any questions in here, if you got something to say, bring it on. We'll talk about any of this stuff. Um, don't let me just put you to sleep, although if you fall asleep, the bell will ring in a little while. So, All right, Ezra chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. This is 70 verses of facts. Now, these were the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, carried captive to Babylonia. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. They came with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Realiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigvi, Raham, and Bana. Again, I'm not a Hebrew specialist. Uh, I still remember the ultimate lads leaders game that we played. We played a game called Say It or Spray It. It had all these Hebrew names in the book of Joshua. And I found one of these programs where we would pronounce words for you. So we had a computer set up and we let the kids take shots at these. And a kid would walk up and he'd go, 
Zubbubdubba. And then we'd let the computer say it. If he was close, we'd give him a piece of candy. If not, we'd still give him a piece of candy. We had a great time. The guys thought it was the most awesome game of all time. And when the wives told us never to break that game out again. So we'll break it out again. We've got Joshua for Lads Leaders this year. So if you want to play some say it or spray it some Sunday afternoon, let me know. Verse 2 through 6, the number of the men of the people of Israel, the sons of Parash, were 2,172. The sons of Shephthiah, 372. The sons of Era, 775. The sons of Pehath Moab, namely the sons of Jeshua and Joab, 2812. Just in these few verses here, what do you see? See anything weird? Two things I see. One, these numbers are very specific. There wasn't just 2,000 sons of Parash. There wasn't just a bunch of people from Shephthiah. There was 2,172. There was 372. I, I've done the count here for a long time. Mickey's done the count here for a long time. We're trying to count how many people are here. How, are, how assured are you, Mickey, of counting the people in this one room at any given time? <laughs> you can't, can you? We can't. We cannot assure when we count the people who come to worship. We can't even tell you that the number is right. It's close, but it isn't right. God puts these numbers in as these are the numbers. Something else I see, they came out in tribes. Anytime you ever look at the house of Israel, it's in tribes, families. These are, these are families. They're not necessarily, you know, we already know it's just two tribes. It's Benjamin, it's the Levites, it's Judah. But starts breaking it into names that you don't know these names. Things have happened in 70 years, but they, they break them down by family. You might, you might look at these names if you look at the land division of Joshua. I might be wrong on that. Picking up 7 through 10, the sons of Elam, 1254. The sons of Zatu, 945. The sons of Zachai, 760. The sons of Bani, 642. The sons of Bebe, 623. The sons of Asgad, 1222. The sons of Adonacam, 666, the sons of Bigvi, 2056, sons of Aden, 454, the sons of Ader, sons of, namely Hezekiah, 98, the sons of Bezai, 323, the sons of Jorah, 112, the sons of Hashem, 223, the sons of Gibar, 95, the sons of Bethlehem, 123, the men of Netapah, 56, the men of Anatha, 128, the sons of Asmatheth, 42, Sons of Kiriath, Aram, Shapira, and Bera, 743. The sons of Ramah and Gida, Geba, 624. The men of Michmas, 122. The men of Bethel and Ai, 223. The sons of Nebo, 52. The sons of Magbish, 156. The sons of the other Elam, 1254. Somewhere in here we change from family names to town names. I know I might have bored most of you people already, but it's changed to places. The sons of Haram, 220. The sons of... Lot, Hadid, and Ono, 725. Sons of Jericho, 345. The sons of Sinah, 3630. Then you get into the priests. The priests, the son of Jedidiah, the house of Jeshua, 973. The sons of Emmer. Yeah, uh, okay. So, anyways, I'm not going to read all these. Sons of the gatekeepers, the temple servants, the sons of Gedal, a bunch of these guys, the sons of these guys, the sons of these guys. Sons of these people, and the temple servants and the Solomon servants were 392. Okay. He's very specific. Following were theirs that came from Telmah, a bunch of other places. Um, 
could not prove their father's houses or their descent, whether they belonged to Israel. In 70 years in captivity, you think you could lose some documents? You think you could lose that trace back to the homeland? These people did. They're still counted among them, but there's no proof that they were. Sons of the priests, um, 62, though, these sought their registration among those enrolled in the genealogies, but they were not found there, so they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. The governor told them that they were not to partake of the most holy food until there should be a priest to consult Urim and Thummim. Whole assembly together was 42,360. How many people do you think went into Babylonian captivity? Any guesses? So it's going to be anyways. How about more than 42,360? How many people went in the Exodus we talked about? How many people went through the Red Sea? I think I remember they say it was about a million people. A million people went through the Red Sea. Israel had to prosper. I know they lost 10 nations. But this is what we call the remnant. 42,000 of them came through. 42,000 of them are going back. If you look at the priests back a ways, the number of priests are, believe it or not, 10% of this. They're like 4,200. It's a tithe. It's kind of what it is almost. You have 42,000, besides their male and female servants, who were 7,337. You had 200 male and female singers. Their horses were 736, mules, camels, donkeys. Approximately 50,000 people are going to pack up, go back to Jerusalem and start over. Going to go back to Israel. Some of the heads of the families, anyways, they got money, garments, priests. What's up? Anyways, backing up a little bit. The whole assembly together is 42, like I said, about 50,000 when you catch priests and everything. We talk about the remnant. We talk about just a small amount, and that's really what it was. It was a small amount that's going to go back home. Free will choice. Some of them had lives established and decided not to go. Some people didn't maybe stay faithful. Some of them may have said that 70 years is too long. Um, who knows? Who knows? But this many go back. To a land that's set vacant for 70 years, they're going to go back and try to start over. So, um, it's a tough, it's a tough job. It's something we're going to see in there. They don't do well. That's, that's the sad part about it. Israel really doesn't do well. They set up something, but it's not, it's a mere fraction of what it used to be. They just don't do well. So, part of it's that. I guess it's about time in class. It's in your Bible. We told you where to find, we'll talk about where to find Ezra. You can read up on those numbers and stuff. Somebody's an accountant, really into that kind of thing, you know, figure it up. Somebody got some good insight on that, better than what I saw. Let us know. I'll be back next week for Ezra chapter 3, and we're going to start rebuilding. So we've got 50,000 people. We'll see what they can do in Ezra chapter 3. So thanks for joining us this morning, and uh, worship will start about 10 o'clock.